from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 14. And in your church Bibles, that's on page 1027. That's Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 14. The birth of Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising glory, uh, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. Thanks very much, Pippa, for reading. Good morning, everyone. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas. Looking forward to a new year. Celebrations this evening. But God has got another message from us from this same passage that we read this time last week. And it really is glorious. Let me open in prayer. Father, we thank you that we can meet this morning to praise your holy name, to learn more of you and what you have done for us in and through the birth, life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. May he be glorified this morning as we listen to you from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. They say a picture tells a thousand words. There's going to be a picture come up on our screen, I hope. There it is. Isn't that lovely? A picture of this family on Christmas Day. It's beautiful, isn't it? Don't they all look so happy and joyful? And do you notice they're giving the sign of peace? But what this photo doesn't tell us is what's really going on. Callum is concerned about the new year. The mortgage is up for renewal. And with the interest rate hikes, he's looking at an extra £1,000 a month. And on top of the rising cost of living, a stressful job at the NHS and the pressures of family life, 
He's struggling to sleep at night, constantly worried about the future. There is one way he can fix it. He hasn't done it for a while. Just one more bet. He could easily turn that £10,000 that he saved for the new family car into 100k on one horse or one football match. One more time won't hurt. It's been six years. But deep down, no, he knows that's wrong. The damage his addiction caused those in his life years ago was catastrophic, particularly for his wife, Laura. She's been his rock. But whilst he tosses and turns in bed that Christmas night, thinking of this photo, she is deep in her own thoughts, and she can't sleep. She's bored of being a housewife. She longs for more. But her priority is the kids. Don't Tommy and Darcy look so happy in this photo? But the truth is that Tommy is struggling at school because of his dyslexia. He doesn't fit in with his friends. And sadly, this has meant at times that he's physically lashed out. And even at such a young age, Darcy is already feeling self-conscious about herself, the way she looks, what people think. And Laura has noticed she's hardly eating and getting thinner by the day. The danger of social media. Now, Laura is coping. She's relatively happy, but she's frustrated. She's burdened. She's unsettled. And while she can't sleep, she scrolls through Facebook and sees her friends' family photos of their Christmas day in the Caribbean, blissful happiness. And she asks, why can't my life be easier? And she battles those feelings of bitterness. But as she looks at her own Christmas family photo that she's just posted online, she's reminded of the real roots of her struggles as her heart pines at the face that is missing from the photo. Their eldest born, their eldest daughter, Mia, dropped out of college, rebelling against all things family, too interested in boys, alcohol, and no good. Law rem remembers the argument that she had with Leah before she locked herself in the room before Christmas dinner. She also remembers there was a time when there was no way that Mia would miss out spending time with Granddad Pat and Granny Anne. But things aren't the same since his dementia kicked in a few years ago. He's lost. All his confidence is gone. And he only just about manages a smile in this photo. Maybe you can see the tears in his wife Anne's eyes. She's exhausted. Exhausted caring for him. She needs a break. But she's lonely. She feels her husband of 50 years is gone. She loves him. But this disease is sucking that love from her. Because one minute he's angry, saying awful things. The next, he doesn't even know who she is. And that hurts. Why does there have to be so much pain? So much conflict. No rest. And then there's Callum's dad, Pete. Since Callum's mum died 15 years ago, relationships between Callum and his dad have been difficult. Knowing that he wasn't the easiest man to live with, he always had a roving eye, hurting his mum. But before she died, she begged Callum to look after him, keep good relationships with him. Yes, he's made mistakes, but he's a good man. He loves his family, 
his mum had said. Well, Callum's not so sure about that. And he certainly isn't the biggest fan of his latest squeeze, Susan. He thinks she just wants his money. Pete knows that. And he really feels the hostility through the politeness as the crackers are pulled over the turkey. He really wants to make amends with Callum. He knows there is a distance between them. But after all the mistakes he's made, particularly as a father and as a husband, he just doesn't know what to do. Or if anything can take away that feeling of anxiety as he smiles for this picture. Like I say, doesn't a photo tell a thousand words? But as this family all show the sign for peace, well, they're not actually experiencing peace at all, are they? And this is the reality for many of us. Peace is something, peace is something that we long for. We all want it and we desire it. But each person's experience of what peace actually is, is different. Peace can be defined on, a, on different scales. And of course, let's give the obvious example. For the people in Ukraine and Israel, the meaning of peace is the absence of war and conflict. Now, we can only but imagine what they are experiencing day in and day out, surrounded by hostility, conflict and grief. So, of course, we can totally understand why they would crave peace. And we must pray for these nations and many like them, that peace would rule, rule over conflict. But for most of us, the peace we may be craving, but failing to find, takes a different shape on those scales. It is still the longing for an absence of conflict, but in the heart and in the mind, a personal peace. The absence of anxiety those times when we, f when we feel full of fear and worries that uncertainty brings. And at some point, we all have those feelings. We're all looking for the answers or the meaning to peace and finding peace. And as we heard from these stories in the photo, what we hope will bring us peace will be different for each of us. Now, I was thinking about this for myself this week as I prepared. What does peace look like for me at the moment? I think for me, it's probably more time. More time to not only get things done, but to do them well. More time to spend with those that I love and care for. More times of peace and quiet. And perhaps more time to do what I want to do. I wonder what yours is. What is it in your life that you perhaps think will bring you that peace that you desire? And more importantly, is that thing you crave, is it ultimately futile? Will that time, money, possession, relationship, will they really fulfil that desire? Well, the answer is that they might for a moment but will it bring lasting, true peace? Well, my aim this morning as we focus on verse 14 of our passage is to show us that only the coming of Jesus into the world 
can truly satisfy our longing for peace and that only he offers everlasting peace. Now the verse is going to appear on the screen. I'll read that again for us. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. And we're going to focus on the first part of that verse first. And that will be highlighted for us. Glory to God in the highest heaven. Now this verse comes in the middle of the Christmas story. What's happened? A baby has been born. Now many here will have experienced the joy of a baby being born. My wife Lorraine and I have experienced that before. And we're going to experience it again. As grandparents. Yes, you heard that right. Grandparents. And please do tell us afterwards that we're way too young for that. Be much appreciated. Now, when a baby is born, we, we will, of course, celebrate our, our, our grandchild being born, as, along with uh, the grandchild's parents, Billy and Georgia, and our families. And we will sure, certainly be sharing that good news with our friends. But it certainly won't be anything like this scene in Bethlehem with the announcement of this baby. As we read, this birth is announced by an angel, an angel of the Lord. And the angel is then joined by a great company of the heavenly host. A choir of angels light up the sky over the fields of Bethlehem. Can you picture it? Well, just think of tonight. All those fireworks shows around the world. Imagine them all joining together. But this scene in Bethlehem is so much more glorious and exciting than that. Do you know, in many ways, we can't picture that first, that first Christmas, that scene. But we can hear the angels. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. The angels from heaven, they sing praise. Praise to God. And what is it that's driving that praise? What is so glorious? Well, it is that day. The day has finally come. The day that had been promised, the day that had been planned in eternity past by Father, Son, and Spirit. The day the salvation plan of God would be realized. Just as the light and glory of the heavenly host shone bright in the darkness over the hills in Bethlehem, so the glory of the birth of this baby would shine a light into this dark world. As Isaiah prophesied, peace would come in the form of a person. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. The uncreated creator would become flesh and dwell with his creation to bring light, love, and life. God in the person of his son would come to be the prince of peace and bring an end an end to the greatest conflict the world will ever know. Because we, humanity, are at war with God. And that is what is at the heart of our need for peace, our hostility towards God. The Bible teaches us very clearly that humanity is alienated from God. We are distant, isolated, and we're detached from him whom our very existence depends on because of sin, 
our rejection of him. But it's more than that. We are his enemies. We're his enemies because of our sin. There is a battle raging in our hearts. Because we are, and because we're hostile to God in our thoughts and our attitudes and our intentions, that affects our relationships with each other. Because it's naturally then reflected in our behaviour. We lie, we cheat, we're immoral, we're greedy, we're selfish, we're slanderous, we're deceitful. All of which are evil in God's sight. So it's no wonder we have no sense of peace. Well, it's ridiculous that the sinful nature deceives us that much that we think it's okay as minute, finite humans to declare war and shake our fists in anger at the sovereign, all-powerful creator of the universe. It's laughable. And as C.S. Lewis once said, we are rebels who need to lay down our arms. But by ourselves, we're unable to do that. So it leaves us with a huge problem. Because God has a correct and settled wrath against our sin, which he cannot ignore. Which means that we are all heading towards eternal destruction. But the glory of God instead, God himself enters the war and comes to the rescue. And this is why. This is why the angels join in chorus as they proclaim the glory of God and his wonderful character, his love, his mercy, and his grace in sending his son to be the great peacemaker. Jesus would come into the world to bring the hostility to an end. But this peace, this peace that is offered to you and I, would come at a great personal cost to God. The perfect relationship between father and son would, for a time, be broken. Because Jesus, he didn't stay as a baby in a crib. But he grew to be a man on a cross. Like in any war, there is a consequence of death. And death is the penalty for sin. But Jesus would die as the substitute for all men and women. This was the only way for humanity's rebellion against God to be brought to an end. Jesus, the perfect and once for all sacrifice for sin. And by his death, a fountain, a fountain of mercy was opened and forgiveness and reconciliation offered to all who accept Jesus as their saviour, their messiah and their Lord. This is the glory of our God, that he loves his creation that much and why the angels cannot contain their praise. And it's why. We join now. We join now to worship that same God. And as we move to the second part of verse 14, the implication of this is just wonderful, wonderful good news that should be heard by the whole world. Because God rightly gets the glory, but we get the peace. 
Let me read that verse again. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favour rests. Now, I'm sure at some point in our lives, we have all felt someone's favour. Perhaps you were the teacher's pet or the most talented and star player on a sports team. Maybe you're the best performing or hardest working employee. Or perhaps even you were a favoured child. Well, we've already been reminded why that should never be the case for us with God, our Father, and why that should only be possible for Jesus, his perfect son. But because of Jesus, this verse and these words, they are gloriously true. If you have faith in Jesus and put your trust in him, you will find that God's favour rests on you. And in turn, you can and will receive his peace. Now, there are other times in the Bible where we read of God's favour on specific men and women. So Noah, Moses and Daniel, to name a few from the Old Testament. And even in the previous chapter in Luke, we we are reminded that Mary, the mother of the baby Jesus, was highly favoured. Why is that? What did they have in common? Well, they knew God. They loved God. They sought God. And they were righteous in his sight, highly favoured. But with the coming of this child, the Prince of Peace, this favour is now offered to all, all who put faith in him. Because we receive his righteousness. And we are now able to stand clean and spotless before the Father. And we can rejoice in his favour. Because when he looks at you and I, if we have faith in Christ, he no longer sees the rebels that we are. He sees Jesus, his perfectly obedient and righteous son, who has justified all who come to him. This is incredible good news that we all need to hear and receive. And this good news, it's not exclusive. It's not just for those who witnessed the birth. It's not just for the shepherds, the wise men. It's not even just for the Jews in Israel who were God's chosen people. It's not even just for churchgoers. No, the verse says, on earth be peace. And the angel had confirmed this earlier in our passage in verse 10 by saying, I bring you great joy for all people. God's favour and offer of peace is a universal offer to all those that will trust in his son. Your past does not discount you. The gospel of grace is the greatest gift that we can receive and unwrap this Christmas. So the question As you look back over 2023, did you, have you, received this peace yet? The peace that you long for? Have you been looking in the right place as you've longed for peace? And as you go into this new year and the inevitable challenges this life will throw at you, will you let the peace of Christ 
rule in your heart? Well, if you will, Jesus promises it will have a life-changing effect on our relationships, particularly. First and foremost, it will have an effect on our most important relationship. Because now we have peace with God. No more hostility. Our sin has been dealt with. The debt has been paid. And God's favour rests on you. Yes, the world will continue to have wars and conflicts until Jesus returns to establish true and lasting peace. But for those trusting in God's promises in Christ, we have peace knowing that we have a future to look forward to in eternity. Now, it's important to say that doesn't mean that we won't suffer personal difficulty or that we, won't, or that we will always prosper in this life now. But it does mean we can stand firm and be assured that we have been reconciled, we've been restored to what we should be, children of God. And we can worship and join the angels in praising him for what he has done for, in Christ for us. And we can trust that he's there with us, helping us, guiding us in those times of struggle. We can confidently go to him, knowing that he won't reject us, but he will open his loving arms to us. And because we have peace with God, the natural implication of that is that we can begin to have peace with ourselves. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7, I think the Apostle Paul writes the most precious words in this regard. And he says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Our hearts and our minds are constantly under assault. Guilt about sin and our mistakes worries and threats to ourselves or to those that we love. Our minds are constantly confused when life is going wrong. And of course, uncertainty. Uncertainty about the future can cloud our thoughts. But God wants to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That is what Paul is saying to the Philippians. And he guards them with his peace. He guards them in a way that goes beyond what human understanding can fathom. And we know that to be true by how different people react to trial. I know of people who have no peace, no peace at all, even over the smallest things in life, because they don't know Jesus. And it's so sad, it's so sad to witness But we can compare that to people that we know who love Jesus and who are experiencing incredible suffering at times. But they have an amazing peace because they trust Jesus' promises to them. So please, don't let, don't limit the peace of God 
by what you, your understanding can see. Jesus gives inexplicable peace. And he does that when we take our anxieties to him in prayer and trust that he will carry them for us and protect us. When we do this, his peace steadies us from the disabling effects of fear, anxiety, and guilt. And then we are then able to give God the glory in how we live and show the world that we are his disciples and that we are trusting him. And that is something that many of us here this morning have felt personally and witnessed. I've been a member of this church for 12 years. I've been able to spend time with so many of you. I'm so grateful for that. As we've worshipped and served together, we've spent time socialising. But what I'm most grateful for are the times that I've spent with many of you one-to-one, listening to some of the challenges and the trials that you've faced. I've had a chance to pray with you, but I've had a chance to hear you pray. Some in this church family have very similar stories to that photo. And I must say I'm grateful because I've witnessed true peace as you have done and continue to do what the Apostle Paul commands in Philippians. And you've let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and not your circumstances. And it has truly inspired me when I've struggled with my peace. My peace as a father. My peace when I'm making decisions. The peace when I've had financial worries. When I've looked back and been reminded of my brothers and sisters in Christ who I love very much, I've been reminded of the privilege to be a child of God and to be part of his family. And I'm so grateful for your faithful and godly witness to me and to many others. And rest assured, this is something that as a leadership team, we give thanks to God for regularly as we meet to pray. So I urge you, the Lord urges you, all of us, keep going, keep trusting, keep reminding yourself of, through his word of his promises to you, and let's keep sharing and encouraging each other. And if you are yet to experience this peace, or if what you have heard this morning is new to you, can I encourage you to be like the shepherds in verse 15? Now, we didn't read it earlier, But the shepherds, after seeing the glory of God, they are so taken with what they see, they have to go and investigate and meet this child for themselves. So please, if you're new to Christian things, come back next week. Come back next Sunday. Learn more about the promised Messiah, God's King, who came to a dying world to save it. He came to offer freedom from guilt, and everlasting peace. And his offer is open to you if you will receive him. The last relationship that God wants us to enjoy his peace with is each other. This is the one we have the least control over. Paul says in Romans 12, verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. We all have awkward and maybe painful relationships. And these tend to come up to the fore at Christmas time. Some pain is very old and some of it is new. 
In some relationship breakdowns, we know what we have to do, no matter how hard it is. But in some, we are absolutely baffled. And we have no idea what the path of peace calls for. Well, in both cases, the key is trusting. Trusting the promises of God with a heartfelt awareness of how he forgave us through Christ. Love brings peace. And as we wonder at this truth, we will see the fruit of the Spirit as he changes us. We'll have a sense of amazement that we, us sinners, that we have peace with God, which in turn, it makes our hearts tender and kind, loving and forgiving. And we must, and we are now able to extend peace to others. Now, it may be thrown back in our face. That was Jesus' experience on the cross. And we know that if those peace offerings are rejected, it will be painful. And it can make us bitter. But don't let it. Instead, focus your amazement on the wrongs that you've been forgiven, rather than the fact that you've been wronged. And continue to be amazed that you have peace with God and that you can have peace in your soul and extend that to others. Perhaps the Spirit is prompting you this morning. Maybe there's someone on your heart that you need to make peace with. Now, I recognise that this will not be easy for some of us. Some hurt and pain goes deep. And if you would like to talk with someone after this service, do, do grab me or any of the leaders or the person you came with, and, and we'll pray with you. Ultimately, we will point you to the great peacemaker, the Prince of Peace, our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who came to reconcile sinners to God. He gets the glory We get the peace. Peace with him, peace with ourselves, and peace with each other. Because only in him will we have true peace in this life. And may we treasure that truth in our hearts always until he returns to bring everlasting peace forever. Glory to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we can but fall to our knees and worship and thank you for sending your Son into this world, into the war of our rebellion against you, and for winning that battle as he died on the cross to bring us peace, peace with you. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. Let us join in the angels and praise your holy name for loving us that much. And may we be assured that as we continue to trust your son, that we do have peace with you. We can have peace in our souls and peace in all of our relationships. And please help us to proclaim this truth and to live out this wonderful, wonderful thing you've done for us. We thank you for your gospel. We pray for those this morning that don't know that truth, that they would too accept and receive your offer of peace and love. 
And for any that are struggling in this area, Lord, I do lift them up to you now. Be with them, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.